Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who can sing better than Hilary Duff without even trying that hard. I'm <laughs> Hannah Leach. It's not hard, everybody. It's <laughs> not hard at all. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 2004's Raise Your Voice. Carrie Fletcher was a small town girl who thought her dreams were out of reach. I really want to get into this music summer program. But she's about to receive the opportunity of a lifetime. You got in. Now, miles from home. What's the password? It's monkeys, by the way. Welcome to Bristol Hillman Summer Music Program. These are your teachers. Hi, Audrey. Hi. <laughs> um... Are you going to tell the people what has been happening in your life for the past few days or no? Basically, over the past few days, I was asked to help out my friend from college, Zoe, who produces music videos. And um, she was doing the new Sabrina Carpenter song called Because I Liked a Boy. And basically, she was in a bind and she like really needed somebody to finish the edit and like actually deliver the video. And I've been wanting to get into music videos because it's fun and they're like short term, which is nice, but it's like visually stimulating. And I like editing music stuff. So all those things. So I was like, yeah, definitely. But the thing is, (laughs) I have other work too. So basically I just worked for like four days straight. Um, to finish it and then it came yeah. out last night which was the like at midnight on the 15th yeah so yeah but hey if, if you're a sabrina carpenter fan there you you're go. welcome <laughs> <laughs> i delivered it for you <laughs> congratulations audrey it's cool to see your name in the credits in the drop down on the video Yeah, they also put the credits in the video, but they're so fast. They're like not legible at all. Oh, really? Yeah, like at the end when she's looking at the laptop, um, they're in there, but. Okay, that's what I thought. But then I was like, I cannot read that. That I was like, that can't be it. It's unreadable. It's like a reference to credits. It's not actual credits. Like my my name is in the graphic, but you just can't read it. Unafraid to reference or not reference, Sabrina Carpenter. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we also have some fun news, which is that we, so, okay, you know, we're constantly like buy our merch, hee hee, but we are having a big sale. There are some, uh, honestly, steel level prices going on in our merch shop right now. Our sweatshirt that used to be 35 is now 25, I think. Yeah. The There's some stuff that's like $1 more than production costs currently. So... Um, you should go get something if you haven't yet. It's practically free. <laughs> Literally, it is. And Some of it I, is. I, I think also, the earrings are $3. The earrings are $3. <laughs> like, 
They're they're good. And you get a little card from us. Um, it's a great experience for all involved. So make sure to check it out. And if you order something, you will get the package hand assembled by me yeah. in my house. Very so <laughs> yeah, very personal. Okay, beautiful. Good, good for us. Okay. Um, but now that we have gotten that squared away, it is time for our hot take of the week. And once again, it is a musical face-off um, that I have cooked up approximately five minutes ago. It's a versus. And I would like for us to discuss Allie and AJ versus the Veronicas. Well, this is a problem for me because I didn't listen to the Veronicas, really. I only know like one song. The thing is, that's a crime, though. <laughs> I know, but I will pick Ali and AJ because I also listen to their new music. I, I like listen to them now, so it's it's easy for me. Yeah, I really like and respect Ali and AJ as individuals, and I really like their music. But the first Veronica's album is like. It's like unbelievably good. It's like banger after banger. And I forget that it exists sometimes. And then I listen to it and I'm like, this is perfect. It's like Avril Lavigne, like old Avril Lavigne almost, but with two voices yeah. instead of one. But um, it was really good. And if you're listening, you know what I'm talking about. Like when it all falls apart, everything I'm not... You know what I recommend? Speaking of Allie and AJ, they recently did an ASMR video with W Magazine. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that video. I mean, I listen to ASMR anyway, so like I always watch those. But in that video, when it, when it came out, it was like the day before um, I went to LA to visit and they were talking about uh, the Laurel Canyon country store and how they go there a lot and stuff. And I was like, we're going. <laughs> I just wanted to know. I was like, I hope they're there. And they weren't. But we did go. <laughs> what is it? So are you ready to talk about this movie? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be an interesting ride. So Raise Your Voice was released onto this mortal coil on October 4th, 2008. It was rated PG and was directed by Sean McNamara, who did a lot of stuff McNamara. that was... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm just trying to survive. Who did a bunch of stuff that was very relevant to our childhood media lives. So he directed and did a ton of Even Stevens, the Even Stevens movie, Phil of the Future, That's So Raven, Just for Kicks, the Bratz live action movie, also a Bratz animated movie, the Sweet Life movie, Jesse, Ant Farm. And when it comes to Even Stevens and That's So Raven, he executive produced 64 episodes of Even Stevens and 100 of That's So Raven. So he was a Disney go-to man. And what I get from his, first of all, I see his name. I immediately think Bratz live action. Like for some reason, that's what I've connected him to. But I for think- For a really what, good reason. What I have learned <laughs> is that he should stay in television. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I agree. Because his 
his tone, his style doesn't translate well to movies. Yeah. It just doesn't. Um, but his he's clearly very prolific in TV and he like is good at it. So Yeah. Agreed. Um, so as for the story for Raise Your Voice, um, it, there's a story credit to Mitch Rotter, who mostly worked in music departments, but has credits associated with Elf, Final Destination 2, Freddy vs. Jason, and apparently he has a cameo role as folk singer in Raise Your Voice. Okay, now the screenplay is credited to Sam Schreiber, and this is his only credit on IMDb aside from... 2023's The Perfect Destiny. Time for some synopses. Okay, so the IMDb synopsis is a girl from a small town heads to the big city of Los Angeles to spend the summer at a performing arts high school. Not quite. <laughs> they left out the conflict. Right. Um, <laughs> the letterbox synopsis is a coming-of-age story centered around a small-town singer broken-hearted by the death of her brother in a car crash who had secretly submitted her for a summer session at a performing arts academy in Los Angeles. In the academy, she experiences a whole new way of life in the big city, far from the small-town lifestyle she's used to. <laughs> Like, they keep harping on the big city. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, that's not really a part of it. <laughs> like, it is for, like, maybe two lines, but... It's like um, they watched the first third of the movie and were like, this is the whole plot. Yeah. Uh, finally, the long one from Rotten Tomatoes. After her brother dies in a car accident, Terry wants to leave her small town life to attend a performing art school in Los Angeles, but her father forbids her from going. Under the... Um, auspices? I don't know what that word is. I've never seen <laughs> Under it. Under the auspices of visiting <laughs> an aunt, Terry leaves for LA, but now she has to prepare for the school's talent competition while also keeping her secret from her father. Meanwhile, Terry's singing partner, Jay, is harboring a secret crush. That one is definitely the best one. Yeah. Tell us about these taglines. The first tagline is, don't hold back. <laughs> Don't give up. And the second one is don't give up, don't hold back. Because for some reason, they switched it on the Australian DVD. <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, good for you, Australia. It's because they they value not giving up slightly more than not holding back. Yeah, right. It's, it's a cultural difference. Not everyone's going <laughs> to understand that. Um, okay, I'm going to be real with you. I put together this cast before I watched the movie. So there is one key person that is not on here. Um, but he's kind of jump scare casting anyway. So we'll talk about it in the second half. Um, but I'm going to go through who I had. So first of all, we have Hillary Duff as Terry Fletcher. I don't need to explain who Hillary Duff is, but I did kind of put together a timeline of everything she was in in this era. So just so we remember, 2002 was Cadet Kelly. 2003 had the Lizzie McGuire movie, Cheaper by the Dozen, Agent Cody Banks, um, all of those. And then 2004 had Raise Your Voice and a Cinderella Story. And that's when Lizzie McGuire ended. And then The Perfect Man was in 2005. And then she was like out of kids movies mostly by then. So this was like the middle of that era of her movie making. And you don't need to know anything else. It's Hillary Duff. Next up, we have John Corbett as Mr. Tovald. Most notably, Ian, in My Big Fat Greek Wedding, at least to us. But he also was in 
Northern Exposure. I'm pretty sure he was one of the series leads in Northern Exposure. He was also in Serendipity, The Messengers, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, and all of the se- like the sequels to that. United States of Terra. Again, to me, most known for Sex and the City. Yeah, I was about to say, and also Aiden in Sex and the City. Which, that's a show I actually have to finish watching because I watched a good chunk of it and then didn't continue, but I was enjoying it. I was also a freshman at NYU at the time. I think it's good groundwork. I think it's a good foundation for (laughs) New York shows, I guess. Yes. Actually, did I ever send you this podcast, like this narrative podcast episode about being... Everyone who's listening to this would probably really like it, but it's this narrative podcast about being in like an immersive theater experience that's Sex and the City themed. And it's really, really cool and weird. Like if you've ever been to Sleep No More in New York, it's like similar to that, but it is that you're stuck in like the New York of Sex and the City, which was cool and really well done. It was from this show called Imaginary Advice. And this guy just makes really cool like standalone episodes. Next up, we have Rebecca De Mornay as Aunt Nina. She is known for Runaway Train, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, Risky Business, Wedding Crashers, and Jessica Jones. Of course, next we have Oliver James as Jay Corrigan. Say it with me, Ian from What a Girl Wants. And that's it. He was in both of these movies in 2004 and then just left. Next up, we have David Keith as Simon Fletcher. He is in, or was in, An Officer and a Gentleman, Behind Enemy Lines, The Indian in the Cupboard, and Daredevil, like 2003's Daredevil. And then I had to include her, Kat Dennings as Sloane. Obviously, she was on Two Broke Girls for a long time, um, but she also is in Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, Thor, Charlie Bartlett, Dollface, and The House Bunny. So estimated budget was $15 million. The opening weekend made $4,600,000, approx, and the worldwide gross is $14,867,514. Uh, Almost fine. That's really bad. That's actually terrible. Okay, so critical and audience opinions. Okay, so there's a 15% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 2.7 on Letterboxd. That's actually kind of generous for a Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. The critic consensus is a bland, formulaic tween version of fame. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, first critic opinion. In watching the anemically manipulate, man- <laughs> anemically manipulative yeah. Raise Your Voice, one wouldn't mind calling for a touch of well-needed laryngitis. Like what? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, the second one is vapid story, shallow concept, bad acting, unoriginal characters, and a climax so cheesy I had to shut it off to keep from kicking in the screen. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. Um, <laughs> the third one is Duff carries off the lead role with confidence and grace, exuding a kind of fresh-faced naivete not often found in other young female stars these days. And that is from <laughs> Christianity Today. Well, that explains a lot. Yeah. Um, they are not looking for an authentic performance. They are no. looking for a good girl yeah. to do the right things and not be too scandalous. Yes. Um, Roger Ebert gave it one star. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he says, 
Hillary Duff has a great smile and she proves it by smiling pretty much <laughs> all the way through, raise your voice, except when there's a death in the family or her roommate Denise says something mean to her or she sees her kind of boyfriend Jay kissing Robin after he said he'd broken up with her or when her dad says she can't go to music camp. The rest of the time, she smiles and smiles and I love gazing upon her <laughs> smile, although a still photo would achieve the same effect and be a time saver. <laughs> He's so sassy. He is sassy, but that's why we love him. Actually, this movie has a 71% audience score, which is a really wide disparity from 15% critic. Um, maybe our widest. I'm not totally sure, but it's definitely up there in one of the widest disparities we've seen. So, okay, audience opinions. 3.5 stars. This movie is so dated. Like, a teenager wears a daddy's girl shirt and it is completely innocent. Um, another person says, didn't expect this movie to be so Christian. Next person says, two stars. Hillary Duff is my personal god, <laughs> but only a two-star rating. Okay, and these few are from Rotten Tomatoes. Those were from Letterboxd, the last ones. 2.5 stars. Terrible. Musically bad unrealistic. The messages are cliched and all wrong. For girls, suck up to guys and lie to your dad. <laughs> Next one, five stars. One of the best musical film I've seen. When you have a dream, go for it. Even if your parents are against the idea, still go with it because at the end, a dream will only be a dream if you don't accomplish it. And I think that every dream is important because that is what makes you happy. This movie is for all parents, we want you to allow your child to follow their dreams even if they don't anymore. <laughs> that was honestly incomprehensible, but I'm happy for them for writing all that out. Okay. And last but not least, one star. Music lovers will love this teenage hoppy film that is full of gooey American lifestyle. Soppy, girly, run-of-the-mill formula dribble that one gets tired of, and this one is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Cinematography is exquisite, and the sound is deep <laughs> and resonant, giving this film the few things that make it watchable, almost. Nibbles, colon, toffee apple. <laughs> I don't know what that part means. I would like to think that that's them signing off. Like, nibbles, <laughs> toffee apple. <laughs> I don't think so. I think, I think what happened is they were trying to Google something, but they didn't realize they were still in the window of the review. <laughs> Why would one be Googling nibbles, toffee apple? <laughs> Why would anyone be putting that in their movie review? <laughs> That's their that's their pen name. It's like Dear Abby, but they're Toffee like, Apple. The way they typed it doesn't make sense for that. If there was like a little hyphen or something, then it, then it would make sense. I mean, I personally like my version of the story better, but you're probably <laughs> right. Okay, so some tweets from recent <laughs> times. Hillary Duff raised her voice, feeling her oats crowd surfing at concert. RuPaul, uh... La da di, la da da, sing, yeah. sing, sing, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember how the la da di, la da da went. Um, <laughs> that made me laugh. Randomly thinking about the time I did NaNoWriMo when I was 17 and basically made a gay version of the Hillary Duff movie, Raise Your Voice. That file is probably lost to time. 
Next one, Hillary Duff's Raise Your Voice is a fascinating dive into the world of art schools and how every student is actually bad at singing and playing instruments. It's true. Yeah. Of course, like the really, really infamously bad moment in the music class when she's like trying to show off that she's good at singing, but there's like three different vocal like three different singers that they like patch together to make this thing. Um, and it sounds bad. And then lastly, Hillary Duff singing Three Days Grace and Raise Your Voice made me emo. Audrey's like okay. deep crickets. She has absolutely nothing to say to that. I don't remember what that is. Three Days Grace. That's the band oh. in this movie. Oh, oh, I thought they were referring to like a solo or something. I was like, but yes, I know what that part is. I didn't know who the band was, though. I just noticed they the say Three Days Grace in the movie. They're like Three Days Grace. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, but it's yeah. fictional, right? It, or is no, it an actual band? No, it's a real band. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I wasn't reading AP at the time. <laughs> Everyone knows what Three Days Grace is. That's like not obscure. I don't. Well, that's kind of a good thing. <laughs> Cultural context. I literally wrote nothing because we've talked about 2004 so many times and we all know who Hillary Duff is. Maybe I, maybe this is a good time for us to talk about church. Okay. We're going to talk about church because this movie has some Christian flavors to it. We were kind of forced to go to church, <laughs> which I don't think is like a rare experience for people. Uh, what I don't get about our church experience is that we actually went a lot but how did I never for one second even sort of entertain believing in God? <laughs> <laughs> well, because I I feel like our parents listen to this. So I feel like I, whatever, they can take it. They can take it. We can they literally know. say any of this to their face. I just don't understand how, you know, how I never even entertained it. It's like I was born an atheist. Like I didn't even have, I, I think it's because, you know, like dad is more spiritual, but he never once actually talked about it to us in a way. Like I remember things like let's memorize the Lord's prayer or things like that. Yeah, yeah. But it was never him like actually telling us what to believe or what not to believe, which is great. Yeah. Like, that's actually the best thing you could do Yeah, um, as a parent is, like, you believe what you believe and, like, you can share that with your kids but without projecting that on them or expecting it of them. Um, yeah, we definitely did not have that problem. <laughs> no, but I, I was, like, an active hater on church. Uh, I feel like there was some experience when we were, like, in the car and you were, like, bitching on the Lord so hard for some reason. <laughs> And I don't remember what it was, but I was kind of like, we don't need to be doing this. Do you remember what it was? 
wish I could remember more, but I know it was in the car and it was awkward. I think because I, to be frank, I didn't know that dad wasn't the same. Like, I feel like I didn't know that dad wasn't this on our page. Um, but then it was like, later. why would we be going? Like, why would I we be we going? Were, I thought we were just kind of like doing a little <laughs> tradition. Like, I didn't really know. <laughs> I was like, we just go because? Like, I don't really know why. In retrospect, I wish I could have had the perspective to, like, respect it a little bit more for his sake. But, like, when I was confirmed, like, you were confirmed at 15, I was confirmed at 15, and by the time I was confirmed, I was, like... I was so mad. I was like, I hate this. I don't know what we're talking about. I have no context for anything. And it was just like, it was a very empty gesture. (laughs) Wait, wait. You know know what this reminds me of? When you accidentally got into the pastor's car. After a confirmation class, because the, the, the pastor's son was my age. So we were in the same confirmation class and they both had BMWs, both our pastor and our father had BMWs and I got into his car like actually and then looked to my left and there he is. I can't believe that that happened. Yeah. I actually can't believe that happened either. Like it's like urban legend at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know. Like I assume it happened because it's been a story, but. Yeah. Um, I... Okay, when you were a kid, did you have, like, a concept in your head of, like, what God looked like? Like, did you have your own personal concept of what God looked like? It was always just, like, the kind of the image that is portrayed on crosses. Like, just, like, this skinny, like... What? That's Jesus. This, like, oh, 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 of what God looked like. I don't know. No, not really. I just, I, I guess... It because like God is never portrayed physically, really. No. It's like a light or a sun or yeah. like some kind of some kind of lightness. But I guess if I, it's kind of funny because it's like Jesus is portrayed physically. So then, if you were to imagine his father, it's like Santa Claus or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I probably thought Santa Claus was God at some point. Same, um, probably. But I was trying to look up when I was a kid. I had this like super specific, like th- thought of what God looked like, and it was like a. He kind of looked like someone from the Big Comfy Couch, but it was like <laughs> it was like news, like like beret type thing with black dreads. But this is a white guy in a giant white like like a. Uh, like choir robe, like floating around in the sky. That's what I thought God looked like. That, for you some should make reason. you should make a composite image of that. I'm going to do an illustration of this man, and we can put it in the video because I was just googling. Because in my mind, I'm like, this was a character on some really, really, really old PBS show. But I've never been able to find this show that I remember watching when I was little. It's like a live action yellow dragon. It's like a puppet. And there's something about jumping over the moon. I feel like that should be easy to find. I know, but I can't. If if you're listening to this and you know what I'm talking about, please let me know. I was a child 
like a big, like it's had to have been between 1995 and like 1999, probably. I've been trying to find it and I can't find it, but I'm going to look after this because. Is it Gullah uh, Gullah? It's not Gullah Gullah Island, but it's kind oh. of a similar vibe to Gullah Gullah Island. I think there's an old lady in it too. I don't know. I'm going to figure it out though. Um, okay. So now that we've um, spoken Talked ill about, about the God. Lord, um, I think that we can take our break. <laughs> I mean, um, should we should we normalize believing in God? <laughs> we can. Yeah. Currently in life, I'm not saying that I like, I don't not believe in God. It's just like, not in this. It's just not in this like Christian evangelical type way. Like I, you can believe in God and go to church without being evangelical. Oh, I know. Yeah. But, um, I just am exposed to a lot of that. I also have, um, I've really studied the craft of Mormonism at this point. I, I'm into that content and it's, uh, it's wild, but yeah, it's very far from what spirituality can be. Like all of that stuff. It's just like human made cults. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I I don't, yeah, especially in this day and age, I don't blame anyone for, if you're able to like find hope (laughs) in uh, and like be less cynical somehow, I do find that to be impressive. Um, So So raise your voices on Amazon Prime, but you have to rent it. Where did you watch it? uh, YouTube. (laughs) <laughs> Did you rent it on YouTube though? Yeah. 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 Same thing. Um go give it a watch if you're feeling um masochistic and then meet us back here and we will talk about what we witnessed. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Okay. 
Hey everyone, we are back and it is time to talk about 2004's Raise Your Voice, starring none other than Hilary Duff. And we forgot to mention, neither of us had seen it, right? I had seen it. Oh, okay. I had never seen it. But it was a long it. time ago. Yeah, I I, I think knew... that's the first time ever <laughs> that we've had that situation. Yeah, I knew about the infamous scene, <laughs> the ha, yeah. ha, ha, that shit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I had never watched it because I knew it was going to be bad, and it was bad. Yeah. Okay, so as always, my categories are good, bad, problematic, and question mark, question mark, question mark. So, do we? We don't even have to say that anymore. Honestly. Well, my categories are a little different than they used to be. So whatever. Okay, where should we start? I think that I would like to start with the broad topic of why? Why do people? Why were people wanting Hillary to be in musical movies so bad? Why did people want her to be a musical artist so bad? You can tell that she does not like performing, is not good at performing, and would maybe rather not be in musical movies. She looks so deeply uncomfortable and insecure. And that is shown by the ADR done here because she definitely was doing it on set. She was singing, you know, as needed, but she, you know, was insecure and uncomfortable with it. And that's how we get this final product. Yeah, I agree. I don't get why, like... Why didn't, I mean, I get it's like a Hillary Duff vehicle at the end of the day, but like, why wouldn't you get an actually good singer? Because this whole movie hinges upon her being like a good singer and she's literally not. (laughs) Like, she's just not. And she's not. Now, Hillary in the studio, when she has her tools to back her up, like I can get into her music, um, but this is about having raw talent and that's not really the situation. No. Um, The whole movie, honestly, I was thinking about what would this movie be like if it was Lindsay Lohan? (laughs) I was just about to say, why didn't they make it Lindsay Lohan? But then I stopped myself because I was like, would she have actually been that much better? But probably. I think that she would have been. Yeah, definitely. I don't think she would have been like operatic, but I think she would have been I don't think she was ever even supposed to be operatic. She was just supposed to be confident. No, I know. But there's that one moment where she's in the formal singing lesson. She comes back and she like does it better. And it's like not better. And you're like, okay. She, in the opening scene, she is supposed to be portraying a love of choral music. Okay. She is supposed to be feeling it. She's supposed to be singing. What's it called? What song was it? It was so weird. Go Tell chose. It on the Mountain? No. It was um, a gospel song. It was, uh, it wasn't Go Tell on, but yeah, it was a gospel song. Hilary yeah. Duff in a gospel choir is, uh, and uh, mind you, a gospel choir of like 90% white people <laughs> yeah. is um, a terrifying concept and it was a huge mistake. I wrote down, why are they singing gospel? But also, I guess that makes sense. Because when we were in high school with our mostly white choir, our like 95% white choir, we would do like those weird white people versions of gospel songs all the time. Yeah. (laughs) And 
honestly, they were always my favorite because they had <laughs> something to. Something. I mean, they're the best. Yeah, yeah they're great they had, songs. There's something to actually sing in them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just she looks embarrassed. Like she looks like she doesn't want to be there. Yeah, it looks very fake. And why does she always I, do that thing where she's looking around? <laughs> she's I like, mean, I will say, I will say that she did not do the uh, uh, thing. She only did yeah. it once in the entire movie, I think. Yeah, she did it less um, for sure. And one thing about Hilary Duff, she will walk down a hallway looking sad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And she will do that very well. And she will hit the mark every time. She's good at the content. <laughs> she's good at being in those like sequences where she's just walking around. She's like, like <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm for the video viewers, I'm doing an impression. But yeah, it's very introspective. It's very pondering. Always this. <laughs> yeah. Always one arm down to the side, like kind of. <laughs> like other arm bent, like covering, like just feeling so shy and like, like threatened. She needs to be wrapped in a shawl. She does. She needs a <laughs> cup of like hot tea to like yeah. cover in her hands. Yeah. I will say though about that first scene um, when she's singing in the gospel choir, her, whoever did her blonde for this movie, beautiful work. Her yeah, blonde looks so good. It's to the root. It looks like it grew out of her head that way. Yeah, it looks amazing. I was like, this is maybe the best I've ever seen her blonde ever. It's yeah. so nice. It's so ash, like ash blonde. Um, it's and I really light. That. It's lighter yeah. than she usually was. Why is Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air the headmaster of the program? I didn't remember that. I like saw him and I was like, is that Uncle Phil? And then I was like, no, 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 no. I can't be right. But then I checked before we recorded. And it's literally Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which how did he end up in this situation? I'm very curious, but I thought that that was really, really, really weird, but also pretty funny. Wait, why is that weird? Because Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, as you know, was like a huge show and like Uncle Phil is like one of the main characters. Mm. And I was just like wondering why he was in like a shitty Hilary Duff movie. Like after being in that, it just did not make a lot of sense to me. But I appreciated that he was there. He's a really charming person. But I thought that was weird. I thought, so we're going to get to the roommate in the problematic section, but I did really like the part when she like plugged her violin into like whatever that amp or like processor was. And it was like all like reverby and like delay-y. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. But I will also say if she had been a singer instead of a violinist, it would have been a rivalry. Yeah. And that would have been way more compelling because... Yeah. Um... This thing with Robin is something that I don't care about and that none of us should care about because the conflict of this movie is not technically about this relationship. Like it's no, it's irrelevant to her main emotional conflict. Yeah. So I find that having this like random female rival is not it's just relevant. Classic. And you keep yeah. thinking that, oh, maybe Kat Dennings will get involved in that way or 
her roommate might get involved, like become a part of the emotional stakes, but they they don't. Uh-huh. No. Nope. Um, and I hated that. It felt really random. Um, you could have made a way more compelling story with actually excluding the romantic plot entirely. Maybe he could be there a la Confessions where he just like doesn't matter. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Actually doesn't matter, but in a in a kind of fun way. Um, hearing all the music in this film, it made me feel as though aliens created this movie who had never heard music before. <laughs> yes, yes. Like... There was this moment where it was in one of the vocal lessons and Hilary Duff was like singing a song and there was a metronome in the background and it was just 100% off. Like she was not singing with the metronome at all. And I was just like, how is no one acknowledging this? Like in the universe of the thing. The principles of music and what makes music good are irrelevant in this movie. You they can are so sound irrelevant. God awful, and everyone will clap for you and say you did so good. Yeah, it <laughs> is I, I probably misleading for a lot of kids out there who were like, I can go to a music school and be great, even if you're like actively ass. <laughs> they sound. Yeah, it just really reminded me of like what music, the inter- the interpretation of music had you never heard music before. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's an approximation. <laughs> yes. Also, okay, one thing that I really didn't understand was in the beginning when like before any tragedy befalls the family, like before the brother dies, um, she's like, I want to go to this music program. And the dad's like, no, you can't. It's a big city. And then the the Rita Wilson is like, she'll suffocate staying here. But my question is why? Because she seems to have friends and choir and seems to be pretty happy. yeah. So, like, what's the problem? I think they just have, like, hyped up baggage, I guess. (laughs) They have, like, extra loaded baggage about it because the brother has stayed up until this point. And then he's like, I'm going to. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm going to leave and you should too. And then he dies. And it kind of exacerbates the issue. Yeah, he can't leave if he's dead. (laughs) Well, it's like, it's even more crucial for her to leave now because he didn't get to. Is that what it is, though? If the story was good, yeah, that's what it would be. Yeah. I was a little bit puzzled by the level of comfort that Hilary Duff had, like, throwing down in a performance for her older brother. I know. (laughs) I was like, why are you like... I was like, you're flirting with your brother. I'm so sorry. You're totally flirting with your brother. I hate to break it to you, but that (laughs) is what we're witnessing. They had had too much chemistry. A little too much chemistry. Yeah, I agree. When he when she's like, let's sneak out, they like get in the car and they're like laughing in the car. I'm like, mm, this doesn't <laughs> feel very sibling-y. No. The way that this movie should have been about <laughs> Hillary's character, like hooking up with her teacher. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. I wrote down why does he seem predatory? Yeah, and and like some sort of like now that would be interesting. Like the cross section of grief, faith, and having an illegal relationship. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been interesting. 
Yeah, that's especially like the indie version. <laughs> and what if the bonus twist was that she like is bad, but like no one. Yeah, will like no one tell her. Yeah, and he's just like egging her on. He's like, "You're because so he, good," because yeah. like a la Legally Blonde, like in that way. But yeah. the thing or, is, she actually is good. So he's very like. If it had been an actually good singer, it could have been cool to be like, you're good, but I can make you way better. And then mm. he's like gaslighting her into thinking she's bad. Yeah, yeah. And like tears her down in that way. Yeah. That would have been way better. Power play. A little power play. Yeah, that would have been good. <laughs> I mean, I was like, why is he like flir- openly flirting with Robin? Or I guess technically she's openly flirting with him. I was like, did they have an affair last summer? What's going yeah. on? I'm like, she's putting a little too much oomph into this. <laughs> yeah, she's putting too I much. agree. Honestly, my favorite part of the movie was when they go to the open mic and there's the guy playing and they're like, Boo, you <laughs> Like, I love the idea of people just, like, dogpiling on someone at an open mic night. Yeah. Like, that does not happen. And it was really funny. Yeah. Also, like, when she just, like, won't turn around. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, it was very... It reminded me of our uh, conversation about pretty privilege. It was like, yeah. that's a really weird thing to do. But because you're Hillary Duff, everyone's like, oh, she's shy. Like, but don't they get booed off the stage? It doesn't end well. I already forget. Yeah, I, it doesn't end well. I kind of forget too. Yeah. I thought it yeah. was really, I mean, this is the whole thing with this movie is like at the end when she's doing her performance and everyone is like, this is the best performance. Like she's going to win, which I also have something to say about that. They're like, it's a sleigh. And I'm like, this is not a sleigh at all. No. um, Yeah, that happens a lot. You know, actually, neither of these movies are performance movies, but there was something about like the DNA of this movie that was reminding me of Sydney White and What a Girl Wants Mm -hmm. in that strange thing of like, you know, like when she takes him up to like whatever the, like they're like on the roof or whatever. Why in these movies is there always a scene where it's like, we're on the roof. Like, this is my special place or something. Like, Yeah. Wait, which actually I have two things about that scene. The first thing is I love that in this movie, they justify like stupid music background noise all the time and there's the guy playing like freeform jazz twinkle twinkle <laughs> little star on a saxophone like in the distance somewhere um I thought that was really funny and then, and then the other thing is like kisses slash makeouts in these movies feel weirdly instructive yeah it's like this is what a kiss should look like and it's like deep open mouth kissing yeah why? <laughs> it's gross. It's really it's gross. Just, it's it's a lot to take in. I don't like it for children. Like, we didn't need all of that. No, we did not need all that. Uh, I also think it's funny that when she passes by all the practice rooms, there's multiple people playing the same instrument actively in the same room. <laughs> Maybe they're having a sectional. You but never like know. But like not together. Like they're like not playing the same thing. And not okay. This is another nitpicky thing. I guess seventy five percent of the way through the movie, when English guy, what's his name? 
I'm just going to call him Jason. When Jason and Hillary are like deciding to like buckle down and like really get this song right for the talent show and they like sing through it once and he's like, oh, it's totally fine. And she's like, it doesn't need to be fine. It needs to be right. And I'm like, you mean good? It needs to be good? (laughs) What do you mean it needs to be right? Yeah, there's no, if you're creating a song, there's no no right and wrong I mean, I guess, right. Maybe she's referring to like the lyrics, like it needs to like, <laughs> it needs like, to like right. hit an emotional I was just peak. like, she does not, I'm not, I don't think she's thinking that hard about it personally. The, the shots of her in church actually sent me to another dimension. Like they were so funny in the montage when they just randomly show a shot of her yeah. like this. Like, she's, like, praying and, like, looking up. And it's, like, yeah, I believe, like, somebody in her situation might go through that. Like, they actually might have, like, a whole faith journey because they're trying to figure out how to deal with it. And I I think there's a lot of truth to that. But Hillary Duff portraying it is literally the worst possible choice you could have made. I feel like there's a lot of, like— implied Christianity in this movie. Like, they don't really come out and say it. Like, going yeah. to, like— Going to a three days grace concert is very godly. Yeah, like I I think there's like actually truthful elements to the script even. Like I kind of want to read the script and like see how see yeah. how it was because I do feel like there's elements like I'm picturing the indie version of Raise Your Voice and it actually yeah. could be good. I agree. We need the affair. Because if it's like a Christian yeah. music camp and he's also like God is being brought into it on top of him gaslighting her about being a bad singer. I don't think this this movie was just like not supposed to be a kid's no. movie, I feel like. And it's not a good kid's movie. There's nothing fun about it. No. There's nothing good in it for kids that like they'll It's literally love. not entertaining. <laughs> we haven't even talked about the whole car crash thing. I have nothing to say. I don't really either. You know, you kind of saw it coming, though. At least I did, because the brother was like serving yes. Angel in the like he was, he was very much yeah. too good, yeah. too nice, and so I was like, yeah, he's yep. gonna die for sure. Um, and <laughs> maybe I didn't expect it fifteen minutes in, but that is the inciting yeah. incident. The only thing we haven't touched on is the roommate. Yeah, the roommate is like. And now this is also a trope that we have seen in other things, other, (laughs) other things, Um, like Camp Rock, for example, where they have a character, a black character who is a side character for sure, doesn't have any real plot relevance. They're there, they have their kind of like their story is like sprinkled in Mm -hmm. a little bit but only in exposition. And then they end up getting the award at the end, the whatever the prize is. And it feels so unearned and unfair to that character. It's like they're thrown in for the sake of the final beat not being the main character getting the prize because they have won something else. Like they have learned their lesson or they have seen their worth. Like basically the white girl has some (laughs) 
accomplishment. It's like, oh, she did so good, but then she doesn't win because that yeah. would be too much. Well, you know? it also happens in Bring It On, which at least yeah. with Bring It On, it's like yeah, a little yeah. bit more fleshed out. To me, it's very like, like I could, I, I could predict that she was going to win ultimately, but it's very like, I feel like race plays a big part in it. Like it's very too. like, it's interesting because obviously it would never be like explicitly said, but it's like, oh, she deserves it. But it's also like, I don't need that because I have found this other yeah, way. Yeah, it's like, I yeah. don't need it. It feels holier than thou somehow. Yeah, it like, kind of does. Or it's like, she needs the scholarship more than me. Yeah. Like very that kind of vibe. You know what reverses that trope? What? <laughs> Cheetah girls. Wait, is that true? <laughs> yeah, because Dorinda needs the money. Well, I feel like not quite qualified to delve into that as a media trope, but like it's there. Yeah. It's totally there. Yeah. We didn't even talk about the fact that it's like she's the bitchy black roommate who like doesn't make Hillary feel comfortable. And then, of course, there's like the cringy part of Hillary being like, shoot, I'm not even trying to hear that, <laughs> which is like so uncalled for and stupid. It's so bad. Why? Yeah. Why? That was a that was also something that was inserted into scripts a lot at the time. It would be like white person tries to speak in an urban way or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. then it would not be received well by whoever. They'd be like, don't do that or whatever. Yeah. But that was the joke. And it was yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's like, it's just a trope, but I did write it down. So okay. This movie's bad. It's it's bad. It's like it's not Sydney even fun White bad. bad. Yeah, it's not even fun bad. What a girl wants, I guess, would be better than this. <laughs> I think Sydney White is better than this. Yeah, because at the very least, it like makes some bold choices. Yeah, to me, it it joins the group of sleepover cinema where the lead role is not the person playing the lead role is just like not in it. Like they're like, their heart's not in it. It feels really manufactured and it feels uncomfortable. Yeah. And I hate that for everyone. Like I know it's not Amanda's fault. It's not Hillary's fault. They're in this like corporate machine. If you're going to watch some Hillary content, literally go for Lizzie McGuire, the show. And her movies to me are less good than all her TV. And I know I'm not a Hillary girl. I know there are Hillary girls that listen to this show, and I'm sorry. But you can't sit there and tell me this movie is good. When it comes to Metamorphosis, I'm a Hillary girl. And that's that's it. I'm not even that much of a Hillary girl when it comes to that. I like wake up, wake up on a Saturday night. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that's later, isn't it? Yeah. London, Paris, maybe Tokyo. Okay, work. We made it through. Okay, everyone. Don't forget about our merch sale. I know we talked about it what feels like a million years ago at the beginning of this episode, but don't forget about it. The deals are hot and I'm not just saying that. I personally adjusted all the prices. So yes. give it a give it a look. My friend Laura can attest to this. She wears the orange aquamarine reference earrings a lot. And she says she gets at least one comment every single time she wears them. Ooh, yeah. So. They're cute. Also, we have these like fluffy pens. We have cute stuff. And Joey, who you guys heard 
on the Bratz episode last time, um, made all of it and it's really cute. So give it a look. Um, make sure to watch the music video for Sabrina Carpenter's uh, song. Because I liked a boy. Yeah. And look for that Audrey Leach credit in the description box below. All right. So <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll just, I'll just read it. Yeah. But just read it with written. like some spice. Yeah. As always, you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover-cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopinkpictures.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Sleepover Cinema, and we post a full video version of each episode on YouTube and Facebook every Thursday. And... And, and you can join our Discord server at the link in the episode description or on evergreenpodcast.com. It's always in our link tree on everything. And it's been extremely enjoyable. Like yes. after last week, I asked everybody to like send a potent 2012 image of themselves because everybody has that. Like we yeah. all, the images are of such specific quality and it was very fun to see people what everybody were, looked like. People were vulnerable <laughs> in the chat. It was yeah. great. I loved it. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman and has theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Our executive producer is Michael D'Aloya. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next, or leave us one because you like us and it's good for the algorithm and we need it. See you on the flip-flop later. <laughs> Jack Black. Bye. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, nextbestpicture.com. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all of the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.